What I do is inconsequential. Why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys every day. What I love about our hospitality industry is that it's our mission to make people feel cared for while on their journeys. Together, we'll explore what hospitality means in the built environment, in business, and in our daily lives. I'm Dan Ryan, and this is Defining Hospitality. Today's guest is an experienced executive who has a history of driving brands to success. He's a skilled hospitality pro who knows the secrets to pulling off a successful project. He's the head of development for Ashford Incorporated, and he's the CEO at Premier, a subsidiary of Ashford. Ladies and gentlemen, Hector Sanchez. Welcome, Hector. Thanks a lot, Dan. Thanks a lot for having me on your show. Yeah, thanks for coming. Um, I just wanted to kind of tee up how, the origin story of how we came to be at this moment. Um, I've had one guest that I did two full interviews with. It was like a, a repeat, and I, I hope to do it more because as the industry has changed and um, things change and the landscape and the customers and the guests and everything is always in flux, it's nice to do a check-in. And I've been doing this for two years, but, uh, but Chris Green was an early, early guest, and I really enjoyed having him so much. And then the pandemic and um, Chesapeake getting acquired by Remington and that whole uh, merger, it was a really interesting story. So I wanted to have him on next. And by way of that, um, I found you. And, I just, and I, we, I'd love to get into sharing with everyone how all of those parts kind of intermix. Um, but I first, I would just want to say thank you for coming and, and, uh, and being a part of this to let us all know about who you are and why you do what you do. But thank you. Awesome. Yes, absolutely, Dan. Because I think this will be a great thread. I asked one question of everyone, which is, what does hospitality mean to you? Or how do you define hospitality, Hector? And let's use that as a point of departure because, you know, Asher is a hospitality company and all of the arms underneath it and subsidiaries are so. But for you on a personal level, Hector, how do you define hospitality? I think it's about serving people, right? It's about serving people and creating experiences, very unique experiences for people. You know, something that they can create an experience that they can go back and talk to their friends about, their family about. Uh, it's really about that. I love that. Um, and again, what I found in all these conversations, there's no, there's no right or wrong answer, but around that idea of service and a unique experience or something experiential, that really resonates and hits home and comes up a lot. And I think that's actually a great departure in the sense that for what, for what you and your whole team at Premier does, um, I think that you guys are unique within our industry because you do project management, you do design, you do procurement, you do all those things that can help a developer or an owner either under the umbrella of Ashford or other um, have an idea come up with a concept and really execute. And I think that that's pretty unique, especially with the scale of what Ashford brings to the table, but also everyone else out there. So, so tell us a little bit about what makes you and your team at Premier unique. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Um, you know, I would add through to the three lists of services that you offered, we also have architecture. Cool. And I believe we have about 16, maybe 17 architects on staff. These are uh, people that are licensed in almost every state in the U.S. So very, very uh, experienced people. Uh, so yeah, like, like you mentioned, right? We have uh, we have interior designs, we have architects, project managers, construction managers. Um, we also have uh, procurement folks, right? We have an engineering team. We have a um, we also have a contracts team, wow. right? So we have. A heck of a lot more resources than most companies do really out of necessity right because as you mentioned because we're part of the of the ownership right of an ownership group that owns 117 hotels you end up needing quite a bit of staff uh to be able to work on all these different projects and um and yeah so so we we have all of that in-house we make that readily available to all of the third-party clients that we work with you know, in addition, of course, to uh, taking care of all of the Ashford properties as well. So I think that's one of the things that probably makes us very unique. Uh, in addition to that, I would say specifically in the project management side, we have, uh, I 
believe we have probably 33 or 34 people in the project management, just in our project management team. And within that team, we have a, a very diverse experience. So we have a team within that team that I'm going to call them, that's our kind of ground up and redevelopment experts. So on that team, everyone that's on that team is what I call a recovering architect, right? So these are architects, licensed architects that have decided to go into the project management world, which is very, very helpful. Then we have another side of it uh, where, where you know, we have a lot of construction manager experience, people that came from general contractors, people that were superintendents, uh, which gives us the ability, and this is where I think is very unique, gives us the ability uh, when you have a project and you have certain issues on projects, it gives us the ability in-house to go in and potentially replace the general contractor if there's too many issues, which, as you know, Dan, it's very, very costly to do it mid-project, you know, mid -project, right? You go and, and you try to hire another general contractor to place, replace the one you currently yeah. have. It's very expensive because you're having them take on the liabilities of what the other general contractor did. So it ends up being a heck of a lot more expensive. We have, unfortunately, have had to do that uh, in a number of occasions where we've come in uh, to take over projects uh, midway. So th that's actually a really, uh, to go on to, like when you were defining your idea of hospitality, this kind of unique experience. And I've always found whenever I speak to um, people who are more on the construction side or like open the actual opening of the hotel, um, we're in hospitality, we are, but we also have to drive to get it done, right? So, and I think that's really interesting that you can take over a relationship when it's gone sour and still keep it going. But how do you balance that so that your clients, your stakeholders, whether it's Ashford or outside, and does that happen when you do do that? Is that mostly on with outside clients or fr from within Ashford, first of all? And second of all, from a hospitality perspective, how do you make sure that everyone's still having a positive experience, even though you're just like, oh shit, what just happened? We got to get the, we got to get back on track. I, I think uh, to answer your first question, the answer is yes, it's both, right? It's for Ashford and third party uh, 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 clients. Um, and to answer your second question, you know, I, I have, um, so I don't know if, if you remember this Dan, but I actually came from the oil and gas industry. Right. Um, and, and, you know, that's my background. I was there for 17 years. I've now been in the hospitality industry for about three and a half years. And, you know, I feel that the best relationships I have built with customers throughout my career has been actually when things have gone bad, mm. right? It's, is you're always going to have issues on projects. To me, it's just about how do you react to those issues? Do you just hide from them? Do you ignore the calls or do you rise up and it's kind of all hands on deck? Uh, and, and, and that's really, I think that's what we're about, right? We're going to own it. We're not going to point fingers. Um, we're, we're, we're going to do whatever we possibly can to make it right. Right. Even though many times, you know, and, and, and a lot of times it's not even technically our fault, but if there's something within the resources that we have either at premier and or ashford which i've done both is i will pull on them and i will make sure that we put our best resources uh to this so i think the customers really appreciate mm -hmm. that i think clients really appreciate the way we own things uh we had a situation where one client here uh, a while back where you know the gc um didn't do what they were supposed to do they started getting back on track we had, you know, our senior vice president, a few directors, project managers on site the next day. Yeah. Right. And and this was, you know, in a in a different state in the Northeast. So we, we do that. I think we tend to own things the way very few people do. And I think it's also because we're part, we, you know, we're also owners of hotels ultimately or part of an ownership company. I think so. So something that's resonating with me here is that um Okay, so I provide custom furniture to hotels and resorts all over the place um, with a company called Berman Falk. When I talk to people in the residential world who provide to retailers, big box or smaller through dealers, if things are late, they'll have a residential client who's like, oh, okay, well, it'll be another six or 12 weeks before I get that $12,000 sofa or whatever they wanted in their house. Um, but it's interesting. On I think what makes 
what we do on in the hotel side and also from the your oil and gas experience actually this is what made me think of this is if that hotel doesn't open it really affects the financial performance of an asset and while we're not saving lives right we're not saving lives it really affects a whole bunch of stakeholders and community and and locales so i call that when, when things do go sideways i think one of the things that's helped us be successful in what i'm hearing you is um i call it entering the danger right it's like that uncomfortable conversation that no one wants to have but it's like be the, being the first one to say look we have a problem we we all had a role in it maybe mine was a little bit more than yours or a different way but let's come up with the solution um can you share an experience of it, whether from your former life in oil and gas or current life in hospitality where you may have been resistant to wanting to have that uncomfortable conversation because of the stakeholders, but then you're like, you know what, this is going to help us build a relationship and shine. Like you said earlier, when things go wrong, you know, one of the ones that comes to mind for me. So in 2013, they moved me and I'll mention one about oil gas and I can mention one about hospitality, you know, in 2013 there, there, they moved me and my wife to Mexico. Right. When I was in oil and gas, I worked for this big national company and uh, multinational company. And, and they moved me to oil and gas. They, they moved me down to Mexico to run our Mexico and Central America operation. So eventually I became the area manager, country manager for those for, 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 for a few a few of those countries down there. And I remember we had an issue on an offshore rig with Bemex. Right. Bemex is the 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 oil and gas company, the national oil company of, of Mexico. And there was an offshore rig. We had a we had an issue with one of the tools that we had on site. Uh, long story short, the tool didn't open. And uh, you know, offshore rigs they're expensive. Yeah. You know, every day that you're down, it could be two hundred fifty thousand a day to a million dollar cost a day a day that you're down on that rig and you're not able to you know to continue. We had an issue. So uh, I, I won't mention the company's name. So in Mexico, I, I was at National Oil Varco. We didn't, our contracts weren't directly with Pemex because we weren't a service provider. We we're just a tool provider. So we would always have to go through these contracts of these big service companies like Schlumberger or Halliburton, or one of those big companies. And um, the, the main guy in Pemex called a meeting for Saturday morning, right, in Villahermosa. And, uh, you know, we were at fault, even though we weren't completely at fault, we, there, we, there was definitely some, something that we had at fault. And I remember going into that meeting, I was like, oh, this is not going to be fun, right? This is not going to be a fun conversation. His rig's been down for a few days. And I remember going in there and, you know, and he looks at me like, okay, like we have this too. What do you have to say? Right. And they wanted to see the, the, the main guy in Mexico, which for that company was, it was myself. And I said, you know, I said, look, I said, we screwed up. I said, this is what happened. So I started telling them, I said, look, we take responsibility. And these are the things that we're going to do to make sure we no longer have this issue. So right at that moment, he looks at me and then he looks at the service provider that was there and he starts going off on them and he tells them, you know, bleep, bleep, bleep. Um, how many issues have you had? You have never came in my office and owned it the way he just did. Yeah. You have never come. You're always finger pointing at other people. You don't own anything. So it turned into he jumped all over them and just kind of let me just go on about our way. And we solved the issue and we came through and everything was great. Mm. Um, so that so that that was an interesting experience, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I just learned you just have to own yeah. things, you know, and take ownership yeah. of things. Don't go around pointing the finger right and and just take the responsibility for what you've done and then put a plan forward on what you're going to do to fix it and to make sure it never happens again and i learned that very uh you know i learned that kind of earlier in my career which which i think has paid uh dividends and now do the same but in your re more recent experience of hospitality what's an example of that where you've kind of owned it and then everyone is for the better at the end of it you know, there was a, a situation with, with one of our customers, one, one of the big, actually one of the big REITs. Uh, it wasn't Ashford, it was, it was a different REIT. And um, th there was some issues with a general contractor that we were working on. I won't, I won't name them. Uh, we no longer do any work with them, I'll, we'll say mm -hmm. that. 
and and there was an issue with the general contractor and and I remember the main guy uh you know from from that read um was was on a call and it was I believe it was like a Thursday night Wednesday night or something like that and uh you know and and we're having a video call kind of like we are right now and him and I and my team were the only ones on video mm -hmm. right and the general contractor was not on video right he was kind of so you know and we weren't pointing fingers we were stating the facts and trying to come up with solutions and um and 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 you know and and the the gentleman the main guy at, at that read got very upset because his thought was here's the ceo of this company he is on a call it was like nine ten at night i don't know where it was super late i'm on a call I jumped within, he told me like 20 minutes before if I could jump on a call, I said, absolutely. And I made sure that my team was on that call. And and these guys, one of them, uh, the main guy over there, the CEO wouldn't even, wouldn't even, was it, wouldn't even bother, would, he was out at dinner or something, he wouldn't bother to call. And I literally dropped everything that I was doing to make sure that we addressed the issues that were happening. Uh, and it was the one that I told you, you know, the, the, the next, no, actually that, that morning already, we already had, we are, we had our senior vice president, a project manager, we had our director, we had a project managers. So it was kind of all hands on deck from our side. Um, even though that project didn't go well, um, you know, the, 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 the client came back and gave us more work, Yeah. right? Because he understood these guys own it, yeah. right? Things are going to happen. They always do in every single job. Uh, but we really owned it and we ended up getting more work out of it, even though it wasn't, it wasn't our best moment. Yeah. And for you to, to, to share and be vulnerable with them, like, Hey, this isn't our best moment, but this is what we're going to do. I always, um, for a little while before the pandemic, I started getting into some, um, jujitsu. I started practicing doing that stuff. And what was really cool about it, what I love is you knew you were in a good spot when there was no space between you and your opponent, right? You knew exactly mm -hmm. where you were. And, um, I find that is also in, in difficult situations, it's like running at the danger, you're eliminating all space and all misunderstanding. And it, it requires some vulnerability on our parts, but also understanding on the client's parts. But the sooner we can get to the place where there's no space, um, I think we're all for the better for it. Cause then we can all, there's no misunderstandings, there's no inference, and then we can all plot a course forward right? To get out of that unfortunate circumstance, like you, like you shared. Um, so if we were to just step back and now let's look at oil and gas and hospitality, two very different industries, but also financial assets, right? And mm -hmm. schedule and time matter. Um, in making this transition, what do you appreciate the most about hospitality? Like, why are you glad you made that decision to where you are now? It, you know, Dan, I had a very, uh, I'll, I'll tell you why I initially made the decision that I'll tell you what I'm, that I'm still extremely happy and excited that, you know, that I made the, the, the decision to, to transfer over. The reason I made the decision, so they reached out to me about the job and initially, you know, and I wasn't looking at leaving oil and gas. I'd been there my entire career and I had a, a, a very good role where I was. They reached out to me and, and my initial thought was I'm an oil and gas I like what, what in the world am I going to go do in hospitality? And the more and more I talk to them about the opportunity and not even the opportunity, but some of the challenges and really, and, and what they really needed out of this role, I realized, well, it's actually been exactly the same thing I've been doing for my career for at least a good 10 years. And, you know, what kind of sold me on it is I had a very unique, ex uh, I had a very unique experience during my interviewing process where I interviewed with some of the folks that would eventually report to me. Mm. Right. One of those people were was Carla Neiman, which is my, the, you know, my my SVP of interior design. Another one was Johannes Mikowski, which is was was our senior vice president of project matters, where we've not promoted him over all of operations. And then another one was Mike Funk. He was over contracts and now he's over contracts and engineering. And I'll tell you what, Dan, people in oil and gas like their job. Right. People ultimately there are some people that like their job more than others. But seeing the passion that this team had when I was talking to them about their job and albeit this is like April 2020. 
right? It is the middle of the pandemic. It couldn't get any worse. And you could still see the passion and the drive and the love that they had for this industry where I told myself, I have to be a part of that. Like that is just something like, you know, that, that you don't find everywhere. And, and to me, it was just that. Um, and now fast forward to where I'm at now. I mean, that just proved out to be the case, right? Is people love what they do. They love serving people. They love creating experiences. Uh, uh, people are a little nicer. Or a lot nicer. Yeah. In, in for those of you who are, right? you for that. those of you who are just listening and not watching, like I'm literally as he as as he say as Hector's saying this, I'm smiling ear to ear because I think what you just made a light bulb go off in my head of like why I'm doing this podcast. I think for within our industry or just this idea of hospitality, it's so nothing is easy, but it's so easy to get to that place where people light up and express their passion within our within our world and i thank you so you uh that idea of proving it out um i didn't know what's keeping me doing this but it's like it's it's such a joy and such like a a nerve to an exposed nerve of joy and passion that uh it's just it makes doing these conversations like an incredible um i don't know it just it's i just find it so reward, rewarding but Thank you. Thank you for that. No, it's amazing. And I get to, yeah, no, absolutely. and I get to learn from amazing. others and change my, my, my perspective. So I, I really thank you for that, man. Um, yep. Okay. Now I, I'm, I'm writing that down because I'm also writing a book right now and this will thank uh -huh. you. Um, so aside from being CEO at premier, you're also head of development for Ashford, right? That is okay. Correct. So, and in, in that, you're putting deals together, you're finding debt, you're finding equity. Um, hopefully, I guess you would probably be using your team at Premier to help birth all of those projects, so to speak. Um, but we're in a challenging inflationary interest rate. Like, there's a lot of headwinds right now. So going into tapping into that passion for you with all the headwinds coming at you, um, what keeps you getting up and, and doing that and like lighting your fire for that, despite all the macro headwinds going on now? Honestly, I know it's going to sound kind of cliche, but I really love it, right? I love a challenge, right? Um, coming from oil and gas, we have downturns over there every other year, mm -hmm. I felt like. Um, here is like every few years. I can deal with that all day long, right? Um, I, I thrive in it. I, I like the competition of it. Um, I think for us, we're in a very uh, unique situation, right, as, as head of development for Ashford because we have the two REITs, right, and, and the two REITs, um, one of them has a pretty good balance sheet. The other one does as well, but we're looking at doing some, 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 some pay downs on some debt, et cetera. So we're a little bit more careful. But in, and we're also chasing a lot of deals that have public incentives, right? Whether call it tax increment financing or some type of historical tax credit uh, deal that ultimately end up requiring a lot less equity. Mm -hmm. So we can go about it that way. And then we're also talking to external uh, uh, investors. Uh, but the nice thing about, you know, being at a company like Ashford is, is typically, you know, most uh, uh, GP partners or, 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 or most GP, right? Most developers, want to put in, you know, five, 10% of the deal. The nice thing for us is we can afford to put quite a bit more than that, mm -hmm. which gives equity investors uh, a comfort level as well. Like we have skin in the game as well. Um, so, so yeah. And then on the debt side, um, you know, it's the same thing on that side, right? As we have very strong relationships with a lot of, um, you know, with, with, with a lot of lenders, there's a, a particular project right now that we're actually working on. We're redeveloping uh, um, uh, old historic building here in Fort Worth. Um, you know, and I remember the, the lender, you know, on that, the senior lender on that, I remember he, he sent me a voice when we've since become friends. We had a, a we've had some, some issues on that one. And you know, the, the lender sent me, you know, he called me and left me a voicemail and then we went out to dinner and stuff. And he, he, you know, one of the things that he mentioned, he said, Hector, he said, I've been doing this a long time. He said, the way 
your team at Premier and Ashford just really take ownership of things and you guys want to do what's mm. right. He said, it's very hard to find. So with that, you know, we're already talking to him where a lot of other lenders are not making any loans on any future projects. We're talking to him about being a lender on some of our other projects as well that we're doing. And to me, it's, it's a relationship thing. Yeah. Right. And, and you end up showing people, you know, your true colors when things don't go well and you end up building some very good relations. People want to work with people they like and they trust. Yeah. Ultimately. Totally. And that, and again, that like, and the trust oftentimes comes out of those, I call them the crucibles of, uh, of the whoopses or the, Oh, what are we going to do? And, and eliminate getting rid of that space between, um, as you are on your course now doing the development and also CEO of premier, and you look at that team of, I think you said Carla, Carlos and Mike and all the other ones, but they were the ones that like you could tap into their passion, so to speak. Right. Um, mm -hmm. look with that passionate lens, um, what's exciting you most about what you're seeing out there in the future from your, from the seat you're in now? I, I think it's just our growth opportunities, right? I, I love building. I love growing. You know, one of the things then that I haven't mentioned is, you know, before I came in 2020, you know, one of the main things that they wanted for me to do here at Premier was for us to grow our third party business, mm -hmm. right? We had never done any third party business before in 2019 and before we have never done a single job third party business. Everything was just for Ashley. And then just for the, for the listeners who don't know what third party means, just give us the, a tweet, not a blog on, on what the, what a, what a third party project manager is. Okay. So, um, in more than a third party project manager, I meant really a third party, um, ownership. Group. Okay. Third party ownership. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was referring to, we used to just do things for our ownership group mm -hmm. and now we've gone to other customers outside of just that primary ownership group that where we used to do 100% of our work, right? So fast forward to where we're at now where we had nothing. I think now we have over 80 contracts that we've signed in the last three and a half years. Um, so that's definitely exciting. Um, we have uh, an architecture team in-house as well. We had a very, very tiny, we had a, literally a couple of people that would help us do some drawings and some stuff when I came on board. Now we've brought over Patrick Burke, um, and he's, and, and, you know, and, and, uh, quite a few of, of the team that he used to have at his old firm, uh, you know, ended up following him here as well. Um, you know, we have a development team that's ran by Rex Tulios. He was a president, uh, of, of another development firm. I think just our growth potential, uh, as you know, Dan, as well is, you know, uh, Ashford used to do a hundred percent hotels. Well, now Premier started doing a bunch of multifamily work. We just acquired our first multifamily uh, as an owner, uh, uh, you know, multifamily property in San Antonio about two months ago. So we're looking at diversifying our portfolio. Mm -hmm. So to me, I feel like we're literally just scratching at the surface. And I feel like the opportunities are endless for Premier, yeah. right? Because we can do hotels. We're actually looking at doing self-storage and multifamily and potentially some light industrial so we can continue to diversify and grow and not just at Premier, but at the Ashford level as well. So I've always thought, I've thought about this a lot, like for me, mostly coming from the FF&E world, um, you know, there's always, if, if someone, if a small ownership group wanted to renovate a hotel or acquire and reposition or build a new one, um, typically they hire all third-party people to get that done. Um, third, and they're all, we're all, they're all stakeholders in the success of that project. But whereas Ashford, I think you said they have 117 hotels or you have 117 hotels at the beginning mm -hmm. from your experience, as far as like an, like an ideal customer, when, at what point would an ownership group from a scale, like there's not many with 117 hotels in a portfolio, but you know, there's some with one to 10, there's some with 10 to 20. Like at, at what point does it make sense to bring that all of those elements or certain parts of those elements in house, like from a scale point of view, I always look at like, if a hotel's renovating every seven years, 
I did like some back of the envelope thing once where I was like, okay, well, if there's an ownership group that has 30 to maybe 50 hotels, they could support a team like that that's doing it. But then it's also taking them out of their specialization, which is owning, just being owning financial assets or commercial real estate in the hotel segment. So like at what, from your experience back of the envelope or like, at what point does a, do you find that ownership groups would bring many of these functions inside? I have not seen it. Personally, I haven't seen an ownership group that has done this. Um, one, and then two, it's we're, we're ultimately we're an independent company, mm-hmm. right? Premier is a standalone independent company that is owned by Ashford Inc., right? And then the two reads, Braymore Hotels and Resorts and Ashford Hospitality are the one that actually own the hotels, right? But Ashford Inc. just owns service companies, kind of like Remington Hospitality. Um, but I have not seen a single, I haven't seen any ownership group that has done what we've mm-hmm. done. Um, so I'm not sure when it actually makes sense to do that. Yeah. Dan. Well, that's, that's um, really interesting because I've seen ownership groups that might have inside project management. They might have, exactly. inside they might have one or yeah, general. Yeah. Uh, but I've never seen it where all of them where, come together. All these different, yeah. I just, I just haven't seen it either. Um, you know, I, I, what I have seen is that a lot of ownership groups, you know, and, and some of the management companies as well, they'll have like, they do design and project management and some of these things. But then when you actually start like talking to them, it's a, it's a person over design that hires outside design firms, inter design firms or a project manager. Sometimes they definitely do in-house project management. And when it, when when it exceeds, uh, you know, uh, when, when it exceeds their 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 capacity, then they'll start hiring other project mm-hmm. managers to help them out on some of the smaller projects. Um, yeah, so I just I I don't know when it actually makes sense to do that. I think project management is the one that comes to mind that might ensure design, and you know the the as you know as you well know Dan the the brands have very specific requirements and approval process et cetera for you to go through that and for them to actually give a uh, two or three person team mm-hmm. uh, a lot of those approvals for all these different brand types I think it's it gets a little bit complicated. So then let's t- let's think of that as a, okay so you have everyone in house and then you if you're doing like a new independent hotel you acquire it for yourselves or or you're doing it as a third party and you may and you have your own team of interior designers and architects and engineers and you can execute all of that do you ever bring in like what outside consultants do you ever bring in i'm almost thinking like sometimes it's nice to get a branding company from outside that can look at it fresh and set up like the brand pillars and the goal and then then you guys can execute on that like how do you how do you balance that to like to keep your product fresh, so to speak? Um, I think uh, uh, that is twofold. I think, you know, so we have, we actually have quite a few conversions that we're doing right mm-hmm. now, right? So we're converting uh, um, Mr. C's in Beverly Hills to a cameo. That's going to be a Hilton. Uh, we're converting uh, in La Concha, we're converting that one to an autograph. We're converting La Pav in in um, in New Orleans to a tribute. So we have, and we've converted. We converted the notary back in the day from a courtyard uh, notary in in uh, in Philadelphia from a courtyard to an autograph as well. So we we have quite a bit of experience. However, we do know what we're good at and what we don't. Mm-hmm. You know, to your point, for every single one of those projects, we've hired an outside. Uh, a branding firm, mm-hmm. right? On those soft brands, uh, we definitely hire an outside uh, branding firm for those. Yeah. Um, there's also um, we're we're converting old office building in San Antonio to an autograph as well. We've hired a branding firm there. That's what actually a third party uh, customer of ours. Um, we 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 have Carla Neiman, our interior design SVP. She's done a very good job in setting up her team in such a way because Ashford owns, and we do all of that on house. Ashford owns from courtyards to Ritz Carlton. Yeah. right. Like right now, we're doing the Ritz Carlton and Tahoe. Yeah, we're working with you on that right? one. All, Thank you. Yeah, perfect. 
And then, you know, we're also doing, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're doing, uh, some townhomes at the Ritz Carlton Lake Tahoe as well. We're doing some ground up townhomes, which hopefully will break ground here in May of this year. Um, so we're doing all of that interior design in house. Um, so, you know, some of the things that we'll hire consultants for def definitely landscape architects. Mm -hmm. We always hire a landscape architect for that. Um, on the architecture side, um, you know, before Patrick was here, we used to hire uh, uh, some architecture firms, for example, if we're working in St. Thomas, but he's done a very good job of getting licensed in quite a few of these other places that he wasn't already licensed in. So hopefully we're moving forward. We won't hire a lot of outside architects. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been it's been painful working with some of these, yeah. honestly. Um, sometimes we'll hire F&B consultants, even though we have somebody here named Barbara Carlson. Uh, she's one of our vice presidents in chair design. Uh, she's kind of like the F and B person that we have here, but at times we might go outside. I think it's interesting to get those, like to freshen it up because we're all good. Like your whole team is really good at what they do. They're excellent at what they do, but because the marketplace and the, and the, and the consumer and all of the stakeholders are always evolving, whatever got us to where we are at this moment, it's not going to get us there. So there's other people who are always on that forward edge of experimenting with from technology to design to materials to menus. Um, and I've just been surprised over the past year, um, especially with a lot of this, the rise of the soft brands and the independents, how incredibly important a branding company is. Like I, I, I might've just been blind to it, but to me, I think uh, people are really starting to realize how they can really understand what the outcomes are and then establish a narrative and a story that they want to tell. And then architects, designers, um, landscape architects, FMB folks, it's like, it's almost like the song sheet that creates alignment, right? Yeah. It's, it's really, I think it's a really cool development and it's just really constantly honing the story that you want to tell and taking uh, a, a constantly fresh perspective. Are, are you, am I coming out of left field there? Or are you seeing that as well? No, 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 absolutely. I think, you know, I, I mean, I'll just mention, I think 1650, we do quite a bit of work with them. Mm -hmm. The gentleman out of California, uh, they've done great. Okay. Right. They're, they're kind of our go-to, uh, folks for most of these projects. Uh, but yeah, they, they've done an excellent job. Um, right. Uh, and on that. and in and oil and gas, a, oil and gas, you're not hiring a branding company to, to make a new rig, right? No, we're hiring a branding company to give a product a new name. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so so then going with that, so in oil and gas, you're building what uh, refineries, you're building rigs, you're building you're building just a lot of infrastructure uh, projects, and there's a lot of zeros associated with them. In hospitality, you're building countless things as well, uh, from restaurants to hotels to um, convention centers, what, whatever it may be. Um, from like using that brand, the idea of a branding company that's different between the two, um, what's another element of hospitality that you were surprised to find out that you really love and like, it's, it's just a new experience for you from the idea of delivering hospitality and projects on time. I would say everything. No, I remember <laughs> I give you a, an example. I remember, um, you know, so I, I walked in here, it was probably my first weekend and, you know, and Carla comes in my office and she's like, hey, um, I think we should do something different with your office. You know, I'm thinking we should do, you know, what are your thoughts? And I'm like, look, Carla, I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. Give me a spreadsheet or I can talk to people. I am terrible. I couldn't even tell you if you should put, you know, that sofa on that corner unless you put it there. Then I have an opinion about it. So, you know, she came in and she just did her thing and you know, obviously I, I love it. Um, you know, I, I, I think, I think what surprises me is the creativity, mm. you know, like I was at the Renaissance Nashville, um, here not that long ago. And, uh, it was, it was a couple of weeks ago. I was at the Renaissance Nashville. We do these quarterly kind of, a, a customer investor lender, and we have some people from the brand events that we do at premier. And, uh, you know, I was out there and I was walking through, through, through the lobby. And then I was also walking through the meeting space 
And I just look at some of the things that they do. I'm like, you could literally give me 7,000 years to come up with this much of it. And I like, for example, they have a container there that you couldn't even tell it's a container until somebody tells you it's a container that they've converted into a bar. Wow. Right. And you open it up and it's a bar and it's beautiful. It has like this graffiti on it, but it's just like, how do people come up with that? Yeah. Like I just, that just my brain, I'm just not built that way, you know? So I think that has definitely been, um, I, I, I think that's just been, yeah. Like I, I also pay a lot more attention to details on certain things when I go to hotels, mm -hmm. which I used to never, mm -hmm. right. I usually have my blinders on. I just walk and I just go on about my way and I'll, I do that when I go home. Right. And then I'm looking for a store and I've literally passed that store like 7,000 times, yeah. never seen it. Right uh, now at hotels, I come kind of looking at little different details and uh, but it's amazing. I think just what these creative, you know, uh, people, the, the way they think it's it's amazing. Yeah, and I, and I think within because I, I really only know hospitality, but it's 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 kind of interesting if if I were to use a hotel, there's always that battle between the engineers and the architects and the designers. Right. Whereas I would think from oil and gas, really, the engineers are kind of driving the bus because like there it there's those structures and everything that you're building, there's such a cascading effect. If, if, if engineers are not in the front, um, bad things will happen. And whereas I love how in the hospitality world, it's really connecting all of those things, but also through a guest experience. Um, I also appreciate how you say you're not good at that stuff as far as what Carla came in and, and, and is helping you do or all of the other creative energy that you're experiencing from branding to architects, designers, landscape architects, F and B. Um, but when it comes to you, Hector, and as far as the seat you're sitting in and the teams that you're, you become a part of and that you're growing, like, what do you think you're best at? So yeah, I'm definitely not good at what yes. you just talked about. I, I can come back to give you a very good example of that. Um, you know, I think what I'm best that I'm, I think I'm very good at creating teams, mm -hmm. right? I think I'm, I'm very good at, at kind of setting the stage to create a very good work culture and work environment. I think motivating people as well. And, and I would like to think that I'm also good at many times just getting out of the way, you know, um, like even just earlier today, I was on a message with the guy that overseas development and I was asking him on a couple of things. We're headed out to St. Thomas next week and we're trying to meet with the, we're, we're setting up a meeting on Friday to meet with the governor because we're going to do a, a ground up development over there. And, and, um, you know, I was asking him, Hey, have we done this? Have we done this? Have we done this? He's like, yep, yep, yep. And he's kind of giving me an update and I'm like, okay. So I kind of just joking with them, but have serious. I'm like, okay. I'll just let you be. I'm going to go home and watch Netflix and just let you do your job. Yeah, Netflix <laughs> like, and chill. The way. <laughs> it, it, you know, uh, and I'm, all, I'm, I'm actually an engineer, right? So my background, I'm actually a mechanical engineer. I'd like to say I'm a recovering engineer. Mm. Um, and, and I'm decent with numbers, right? It's, you kind of have to be to be an engineer. So I can, I'm good at problem solving and looking at things uh, just analytically. Uh, and I feel like that's what I'm good at. You know, I'll come back and I'll, t I'll tell you a funny story, Please. a very funny story where I just know what I'm not good at. Right. So this is in my own gas days. And, and uh, it was two two marketing people, you know, two marketing ladies that, you know, part of our division. And I was the vice president of North America at that point. This was a few years ago. And um, and 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 we're in a meeting and we're supposedly they set up a meeting so we could come up with a name for a really cool, innovative, new drilling product that we had came up with. And as soon as I go in, I sit down in the meeting room and I look around and I'm like, I'm like, okay, hey ladies, how's it going? I'm like, I'm not, I'm like, Danny, I'm like, you're an engineer. I'm like, yeah, I'll say Keith and Keith used to work with me. I'm like, hey, you're an engineer. I'm like, yeah. And then our president, I'm like, John, you're an engineer. And then, I, and then we have actually the guy that's over engineering. I'm like, you're an engineer, I'm an engineer. And I look at the, I'm like, ladies, I said, if you think we're going to come up with anything good or productive out of this meeting with this group of people we have in this room, you're going to be disappointed. Like we're not the right people. 
And they're like, no, 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 it can't be that bad. So literally like four minutes into the conversation where we're coming up with names, right? And we're literally coming up with names uh, that describe exactly what the thing is, which is not marketable. They finally look at me like, you know, Hector, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you guys are like, because I'm yeah. like, you have a bunch of engineers trying to come up with some creative like that doesn't work. So, so most of the audience that listens to this is it's like it's a highly ranked design um, podcast on Apple Podcasts, but it tends to be more interior designers, architects. Um, so more on that creative side, branding. Um, mm -hmm. Is there truth to what I said? I guess there is truth to what I said about that set the battle between engineering and creative, right? But they both need each other. Um, What's the most surprising element of that like battle since switching over to hospitality for, for oil and gas battle slash collaboration? Like what are you surprised most about on the creative side, being an engineer and coming from oil and gas into hospitality? I would say I'm probably most surprised honestly by outside insured design firms that we've had to use at mm -hmm. times. Um, and, 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 and I say that I'm surprised and I think it's just because here at Premier, we're probably a little bit spoiled, at least, you know, looking at things from my perspective is where I feel like many times there's not a huge regard to the budget, mm. right? To, to the budget at the end of the day, I'm businessman. We need to stick to a certain budget and that is extremely important. And a lot of times when you work with these outside insurance design firms, outside architecture firms is they want to design this. And it's like, but the budget is this, yeah. right? And, 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 and it's hard for them to contain that. Um, I think that has probably been the, the biggest thing. And then I think as well as I think one of the, but number one, I think you're, you're, I think you're absolutely right. There's always a battle, right? Even from an ownership standpoint, the engineer, the architect, um, you know, and then the, the creative side and even on within our architecture team, we also have. Uh, like we have a, a, a design architect, right? A director of design architecture, which is also very on the creative side. Um, I, I, I think that's probably been the biggest surprise to me is just the disregard and especially coming from oil and gas and coming from where everything is business, everything is numbers, everything is technical. And a lot more zeros. Right? And a lot more zeros. Like it's just, it, it, I, I would say that would probably be the biggest surprising to me of, the disconnect a lot of times from the budget to to some of the creative side. I think on our side, because we're part of an ownership group, our team does that extremely well because they have to, mm. right? And and they've just been trained and and Carla has has her team trained to think that way and to design to the budget. I think that's probably been the biggest disconnect. Okay. Fair enough. Um you went to University of Houston, which is why you were sharing with me, despite the Rangers winning and you're in you're in Dallas, you're really a Houston uh, Astros fan, correct? Absolutely, Okay, yes. so at University of Houston, you studied engineering, right? Mm -hmm. um, if yes. the Hector I'm speaking to right now, in your post, like, I wanna try and come up with a word, your uh, recovering engineer, is that what you called yourself? You're, yeah, that's what okay, I'm so called. you're a, you're an engineer in recovery. Um, <laughs> For your engineer in recovery that's been like uh, baptized by this whole creative hospitality design world, and you were to magically appear in front of your engineering student self at University of Houston, what advice do you have for yourself? You know, I have no earthly idea what I would be telling myself. And, and I'll tell you why. I didn't set out to be an engineer. Really? Why? That was it. What did you set like, out to I be? I didn't. I love business. Mm. I love finance, numbers. I just realized when I started in oil and gas, I was getting my basics. And I realized very quickly, uh, I actually, when they were hiring me, there was a bunch of people that came in and talked to us all in management. Every single one of them were engineers. So I just realized very quickly in oil and gas, to your point earlier, the people that are going to make the decisions, the people that have uh, mostly a, a future within the organization to continue to, you know, get more responsibility, et cetera. They're all engineers. So at that moment, I made a decision like, well, I'm good at math. I've always been good at math. I'll just switch, right? And I'm good at remembering stuff. It will be fine. So I made the decision to switch to engineering. Mm -hmm. 
So funny story is as soon as I graduated, right? So I did I did what an engineer does probably three and a half, four years before I actually had an engineering degree. I was side by side with engineers doing uh, design engineering, which is, of course, very, designing drilling tools, which is very different than what we design mm-hmm. here. As soon as I graduated, they promoted me into management. I think they realized I sucked as an engineer and I was probably a lot better at managing people and getting things done through others. So, so I never, you know, so then that brought me back to the business side very, very quickly. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Thank so, you. That's, yeah. uh, I guess, yeah, it's like knowing your limits or, or actually being open-minded to others, seeing your strengths and weaknesses and go with your strengths is the moral of the story, I guess. Um, yeah. Uh, Hector, this has been a really enjoyable conversation and it's been great getting to know you and I, I look forward to getting to know you more over the years to come. Um, if people wanted to learn more about you or Premier or Ashford, like what's a good way for them to connect? Yeah, so um, they can go on our website, which is premierpm.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a questionnaire there as well as and reach out to us through LinkedIn, right? Franklin uh, Pinerua, he is our chief commercial officer. Right. Uh, reach out to him. He's very, very responsive. Reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. I'm extremely responsive. Um, and then we have uh, an entire uh, uh, business development team as well that is very, very uh, active on LinkedIn. Wonderful. Uh, and we'll get all that into the show notes as well. And so this is a surprisingly wonderful uh, conversation with you. And I want to say thank you to you for your time. I know how busy you are. Um, but thank you from me and all of our listeners. Thank you very much, Dan. It was, uh, it was definitely a pleasure. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. Yes. This. And thank you. And I want to also, I always love thanking our listeners because without you, uh, we wouldn't be here right now learning from Hector's experience, which I think we all can learn from. All these conversations we can learn from. So if this changed your way of how you see hospitality or design versus engineering or team building or just self-awareness in general, um, please pass it along. We've all We've been growing every week still, and I'm humbled by that by word of mouth. So please uh, spread the word. Thank you.